0: Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey guys, you are in for a treat today. You get to hear a very high energy, high powered interview with the Ash Beckham. For those of you not familiar with the world of uh, public speaking, Ash accidentally tripped onto the scene a few years ago when she did an Ignite talk in Boulder. It had to do with eliminating the word gay. Something about a pejorative of your lexicon? I don't know. She's freaking brilliant. Um, And the talk was so funny and emotional and awkward and just awesome. And it went viral. And she went viral. And after that talk, she hit the TED stage numerous times. She has many, many million views under her belt. And I highly encourage you to go into the show notes of NicoleDeBoom.com and watch her talks because they will definitely stir up some emotion within you. Going back to that very first talk about eliminating the word gay, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the 80s in suburban Chicago, and we used the word gay all the time, not for its intended purpose, which is actually Uh, for being extremely happy or for in regards to your sexual orientation, because at that time, nobody was publicly out in high school as being gay. So fortunately, the world is starting to change, but it's just taking a lot of time and we need really strong, amazing advocates for change in this world like Ash Beckham. I'm really excited to allow you behind the curtain and uh, to really experience how this incredible visionary's mind works. All right, everyone, special day. special day. With Ash Beckham, the Ash Beckham. <laughs> Is your name Ash or Ashley? Well, it's Ashley, but
1: after years of, oh, people started calling me Ash and they were introducing me as Ash, and then really Ashley was only used by my mother when I was getting in trouble. if it went as far as Ashley Elizabeth, even when I was like in my 20s, I knew I was in big trouble. So there's just like a familiarity with Ash that just felt more comfortable.
0: You know, you're doing such cool work in the world. Okay. And everybody already knows, because I gave you a great interview here before we started talking. Um, But you're kind of almost like an activist. I don't know anybody who's like trying to make that big of change and help change the way people view the world. And it's in the LGBT community for the most part, right?
1: Yeah, that and just kind of diversity and inclusion and um, finding your true self and and what that looks like and and kind of uh, moving towards a more authentic society. And I feel like my street credibility is in the LGBTQ world, but I think it translates mm-hmm. in
0: so many different places. So it totally does. That's kind of like where you started, and it, I okay. Everybody is going to be watching all the talks you've ever done because they're all going to be embedded into my oh. show notes. Yay! Lots more views. Um, but at the first time you watch Ash talk, you fall in love with Ash. Like everybody feels like they're your best friend, and they just like want you in their lives is that like heavy how does that feel for you um I mean it certainly comes with
1: some intensity I feel like it's always unusual to you know to meet somebody who feels like who knows you and you have no idea who they are like I'll go to events and I'll have to meet the coordinator and I don't know what they look like you know what I mean but they've Uh seen me so they can always be like hey you so that (laughs) that part always just kind of feels weird and I think that there's in the beginning um, and still, you know, people always share their stories and kind of want advice. And I was like, I am not a therapist. Like one of my best friends, Gooey, is a therapist. and really? I, Katie. Awesome. <laughs> but I want to like bring her with me in my pocket and be like, what would my therapist friend say? Cause it's like, you oh, know, like, it's like, I what I do. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know. It's like that part is so much weight. So, you know, everywhere I go, I make sure that there are resources in place for folks that, you know, where I can kind of direct them in, in what to do. But I think that the that heavy part is, is, you know, speaks to everybody's ability to relate to the fact that life is imperfect. And like, Mm -hmm. we have to laugh at ourselves. And we some, you know, we laugh at those tragedies and the the times, you know, I don't know, the times that are, were heroes aren't necessarily, you know, our teachable moments. It's the time when we're the goat or when we fell short or when we wish we could change the way we interacted. So I feel like in in the stories that I tell, I'm, rarely the success story in it. It's just kind of what happens around you. And, and the biggest thing is that this thing that's, you know, so hard and so internal and and so often is a struggle and tears people up to know that it's okay to laugh at that stuff. And that I'm laughing at it is, is the empowerment and maybe bringing a lightness to it where, Hey, this is, this is okay to talk about. And, you know, we can celebrate and commiserate at the same time, and you know you need some distance from some of those stories. Like when I right after they happened, I certainly wasn't you know hamming it up with a stand-up routine. But when you kind of realize how fundamental those are in changing your perspective on life, you can't help but share them. And, and I think especially you know whatever closet you're in, but LGBTQ folks so often feel nobody's ever gone through this. This has never happened to anybody but me. I'm so alone. Mm-hmm. You know when you come out and then maybe at work or at school or whatever, you you feel siloed again and to kind of break down those barriers and be like whoa whoa whoa. we all go through this and you come out okay you know if we're starting to share our stories and 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 I feel like so many people just by being out and and authentic and whatever that looks like the number of people that you connect with and empower you'll just never know
0: it's because they don't
1: come up to you and have a conversation with you about it that you know and it's these like I just remember you know seeing women that were strong or empowered or whatever. And and there was this one teacher that would just like wear the craziest socks and her kind of, you know, that was her self-expression of whatever that had to be was like crazy socks. And you're like, all right, I'm going to wear crazy socks, you know, like years <laughs> later. And you're crazy. and then, and then yeah. all of a sudden that is, you know, it's that like self-expression in, in a way that feels good, but you almost always see somebody do it first. And whether you take that to a, a different level or internalize it, and it comes out a different way, like that living authentically and truthfully and honestly, the number of people that that touches just by the fact that you walk down the street to me speaks to the fact that everybody is their own activist, you know, in whatever way. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. And we need to own it.
1: Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. and it's heavy. And like you said, there's it a tremendous is. amount of weight around that. And and I feel like, you know, it's that it's so cliche right now, but it's the UBU. You know, like go out and do your it's thing. It's not and,
0: cliche though, because that's just the new new understanding of reality. And
1: you just need to, you know, find mm-hmm. that find that connection and 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 f- find your way of of expressing and and there are people that are closeted around whatever that are going to see that and be like, okay, I can do that. And it's not as scary as I I think it is. So I think and owning that activism and you don't have to, you know, there's kind of this expectation that if you're going to be a true activist, you know, if you're not ready to dedicate the rest of your life to becoming the executive director of a national nonprofit for what, you know, dot, dot, dot group, Well, then you're not enough of an activist and, and that we have to bring people in and Mm. kind of meet them where they are. And, and those little connections, like the more, the merrier, you know, like we need everybody kind of moving forward in this, in this common language of authenticity. And, and you don't have to, you know, it used to be that LGBTQ folks were so defined by that, you know, I am LGBTQ. This is what I signed up for. I signed up for, you know, flannel shirts and, you know, multiple softball leagues and, 20 cats. You're like, this is your life. You're not going to have kids. You're like not going to do anything else. And now it is a huge part of who we are. Yeah. Like it is part of your identity, but it doesn't solely describe me. And those stereotypes and boxes have been shattered specifically by folks that are having kids, you know, and I find it so hard to, you know, uh, villainize a, a mom that's just trying or a dad that just trying like, you don't really care who they go to bed with because anybody that has a three-year-old realizes you're not really going to bed anyway. You're up all night. So you can kind of commiserate on the like, oh yeah. And there was an Eric last night too. There's this humanity that comes from this redefining of, of this is not solely who I am. This is just a part of who I am. As I think any of our straight brothers and sisters would say, I don't define myself as heterosexual. Yeah. That's part of who I am, but it isn't the only thing that describes me. I'm a runner. I'm a reader. Mm-hmm. I'm a dad. I'm you know all the I volunteer all these other things. That's just a little part of it, and and we're kind of making the switch where the LGBTQ community is kind of landing in that in a in a, in a more comfortable way, you know. But there's kind of pushback on both sides because you'll have these you know kind of old school activists that you know wag their finger of like you have to dedicate your life to this, and 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 well, I'm, just
0: being who you are is is helping other people. Right. And that's what you're doing. And you know, you hit on so many things right now. I just want to cover all of them. We're <laughs> going to run out of time. I know it already. We're going to have to run a 10k today. Okay. Cool. I feel good about it. Um, you know, what was it within you? And I know you went through, well, first of all, it's very different now. I think than when we were growing up, how old are
1: you? Uh, 43.
0: We're the same age. Yeah. No, actually I'm older than you. Okay. One year. Um, but same generation. you know, it wasn't, if you were gay in high school, you didn't tell anyone. No way. You actually tried not to be probably.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure.
0: And now it feels like that's changing a bit, maybe not everywhere or for everyone, but it's changing a bit and becoming people just more accepting in general of other people. Like who cares? What's the big deal? the other day there was like a, a headline on USA Today some actress who I didn't even know. And they're like, she's declared that she's bisexual. Oh yeah. And I was like, is that news? Does it even matter? Like, (laughs) why is that a headline? Right, right, (laughs) right. Isn't everyone like, what's going on here? You know, (laughs) but is it true? Is it different today than, than it was when we were growing up and how?
1: I would say it, it feels like it is. Um, in the work that I do in, you know, high schools and colleges, there's this, Everybody, You would think that you would, you know, you went to college and that was kind of where you figured some stuff out and came out there and you uh-huh. were, you know, out from underneath your parents' roof and you could kind of like do some stuff in that way in that kind yeah. of like a beginning of your adulthood. And now I've spoken to places where folks are coming from these really progressive high schools and having to go back into the closet because there's go, they're oh. going to conservative institutions. Uh-huh. And that, that to me is just wow. mind-blowing that that adjustment is happening. So I think in high school wow. – A, it's just, I mean, a couple of things. I think uh, there isn't this feeling of being alone as much. I think that there are administrators and teachers that have a connection to somebody in the community or see the struggles that folks go through that are establishing these safe places to have this conversation and and really pushing administrations to create inclusive cultures. And then I also feel like the students... Through social media, and I mean, it has its good and its bad things. But through social media, there's that feeling of, of not being alone. So you don't have to be, you know, at a city in the, on the Upper East Side mm-hmm. to understand what diversity and inclusion True. means and to yeah. have a GSA. Like, it exists everywhere, and you can find it on the Internet. And then I think the other thing is that in media, um, TV shows, movies, any of that, it is just part of the conversation, like it is part of water cooler talk. When Modern Family is the most popular sitcom in America, and a significant portion of those you know, the lead characters are two gay men that mm-hmm. are married that are raising a daughter, that is a conversation, mm-hmm. and it and it is part of it, and 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 that's kind of you know when it started you know years ago with Six Feet Under and all of these things where it was just kind of like sprinkled in, yes. but now it's commonplace. I mean, I think I read mm-hmm. something that six out of the ten top network tv shows have out characters it's just wow. kind of part of what's happening and and the other thing that's kind of fascinating that is that you have these kids I mean I go in places now and they're like that's it you're just a lesbian <laughs> like there's nothing else there and I was like well yeah it is there's like, a lot more you know brothers. they're like no come on something else like that's so boring so 90s. And I was like, ah can you
0: have something else that's like truly debilitating? Because yes, there's nothing debilitating exactly. They're about like that. Shh,
1: Nothing with you. So I feel like that so you so then but then there's this weird kind of chasm that exists that then you have these millennials that are any entering, entering the workforce. Over half the workforce is gonna be comprised of millennials by 2025. So that's who we're talking wow. about. And their diversity, I mean the way they view diversity is diversity of thought, diversity of experience, like bringing your whole self. Mm-hmm. They don't they are That is what they're concentrating on. And your ability to uh, accept diversity and understand it and and honor it and and not kind of like whitewash the whole thing and have people assimilate, but truly understand diversity is a competitive advantage for a company, for an employee. Like that is part of who you are. We live in a global marketplace. You are going to speak to people from different places. You're going to interact and sit next to people that do different things. And certainly not everybody, but the vast majority of folks are. So you, you have to learn how... To deal with it. And so people are learning to deal with it in college. Fast forward to our generation, who's now mineral management to upper management, and mm-hmm. they don't know how to deal with it. They've it's been true. in the closet their entire life. You know, the C level people are having conversations about how do we change that. And diversity for diversity's sake, I mean, diversity just by the numbers is quota compliance. And that doesn't do anything. You have to actually create this inclusive culture where people can bring, I mean, you're paying for 100% of that person. And if they're only bringing 80%, you yeah. are losing money. And yep. and that, you know, when we finally have had these studies that are showing greater profitability in diverse institutions, then C-suite people are having these conversations of like, okay, we got to figure this out. Like, as uncomfortable as you may be, like, this is important, A, for our bottom line, for recruiting and retention, for mm-hmm. everything. But you have this n- middle chunk that's us that really struggle with what that's like, you know, because it's the same thing as before. If you've been in the closet at a company for 10 years, there is a betrayal that comes with your coming out. I know.
0: It's true. And it
1: shouldn't feel like that, but it does. And you've lied. I mean, it's it's like you can't, I mean, you can you justify withheld. it for a thousand ways, yeah. but you didn't tell the truth. And for people that, and that's the other thing I feel like that LGBTQ people sometimes when we get in, you know, the kind of oppression Olympics version of it. The closet, although it is like a challenging place, closets are, can really be safe spaces. If my skin is black, yeah. I can't ever hide that. We never go back True. 10 years into our friendship and be like, oh, I've been friends with Nicole for so long. And now I just found out that she has a partner and I already know her and she's pretty cool. And she really helped me out in that one situation at work. And she stood up for me and she did this. She's like, well... She's not really any different. It doesn't change my opinion of Nicole. It changes my opinion of gay people because now I know one completely different Uh than you know these preconceived biases that exist for people that can't hide. So there is power that comes from the ability to be in that closet, as much as it it, it, you know is a a burden and tough and something that we need to kind of break through. The reason that we've had the the rapid advancement that the LGBTQ cause has had in the last twenty years is because now all of a sudden people, it's like, come out, come out, wherever you are. Now it's like, you know, my daughter's soccer coach and my son's math teacher. I mean, there's people everywhere that are coming out. And then all of a sudden it kind of normalizes it. But it's because we didn't know before where if that person was a person of color, I already have my preconceived notions around that. You know what I mean? So I feel like that is part of the change. So to, you know, think that we can, you know, supplant our the ways that we have made change on other movements is egotistical and unrealistic because the barriers are different. True. You know, and like you're talking about diversity and inclusion, Mm -hmm. differences of thought, similar. But if you're looking at frameworks and you're looking at unconscious bias, completely different when you can hide.
0: True. So what made you want to get a message out into the world in the very first place. Like, I, I don't know exactly if this is true, but I feel like you did a big talk in Boulder at the Ignite mm-hmm. and this was five, you know, 2013, a, year, a few years ago. Now. Yeah. Not that long. Right. Was that your first like, yeah. and so why did had you, that was it? That was your very first talk ever.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh. I had, like I toasted my sister's wedding and that was pretty much it. Oh <laughs> my gosh.
0: Cause I, I think, um, is that the highest viewed Ignite talk ever? Mm hmm. Oh, my gosh. So, like, you hit a home run right off the bat. So, first of all, what made you want to do that? And, tell, like, I know what the talk was about, but maybe explain a little bit.
1: Sure. Well, it was – I mean, the motivation was because I had had this recent influx of kids in my life. Friends of mine had, had kids. My sister had, had kids. And I knew – you know, and, and – well, let me backtrack. In December of 2012, I saw – I went to my first Ignite. And I saw somebody there, and it was the first guy that went, like, not the warm-up, but the first, like, actual uh-huh. speaker – And he spoke about his ups and downs with weight loss. Okay. And he was hilarious and awkward and funny. And like, nobody in Boulder talks about that. Men never talk about it. And then here's this guy and I like the feeling that he invoked in me and his like rawness and, and bringing people in with his courage Mm to address a topic like that, I, I wanted to do recreate that feeling like the way he made me feel. I wanted to make an audience feel it just, I was compelled to do that. And it was a, you know, a challenge and I hadn't really done speaking and had been, you know, working hard to figure out life and whatever that looked like. And hadn't had a lot of time for creative stuff. So it was just this personal challenge of like, all right, I'm going to try to do this. And, uh, so I, I decided to, but I didn't really know what I was going to talk about. And, you know, marriage equality in Boulder is not really a relevant conversation. You know, I feel like (laughs) people, if if you don't agree with it, you're in the closet about that anyway. (laughs) So, but like what was going to resonate? What was like change that we could make happen in our own community, knowing that you have these people that are coming to this event that are, you know, progressive thinkers and and want to be challenged. And, you know, Ignite's tagline is enlighten us, but make it quick. So like, how do you kind of dive into this little (laughs) nugget? So um, with this influx of kids in my life, you know, I knew for me I was going to have to speak about something that was I was really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was um, having friends who were teachers and friends that worked in the school system knowing that the use of the word gay in a negative way still existed. You know, that people be like, mm-hmm. oh, that shirt is so gay or that test was so gay or this practice is so gay. And these are, these are kids in this town who have LGBTQ friends who consider mm-hmm. themselves allies that aren't understanding the effect of that word. And I knew these little ones that I loved would eventually run into somebody saying that. And they probably wouldn't say it about them, but they would say it and it'd be that little like dagger, that yeah. little like they're saying that in a negative way. They're talking about my aunt or they're talking right. about Ash and, and, right. and and how do we make that change? How do we flip that was kind of right. the thought. So, you know, there's a difference between tolerance and acceptance. And it was, you know, this kind of like inclusive, you know, before I even knew what I was doing, this creating inclusive culture and just making people aware because I feel like, it's our responsibility as activists to do that. If you're saying something that is offensive to me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's my responsibility in some part to tell you. Then, you know, I could say a thousand times you should know better than to say that. But if I come to you and say, "Hey, that's offensive to me," then it's kind of off of me. Now you know. You choose to keep saying it. That's fine, right? But now the burden's not on me that's anymore. A really good point. So how do we start to do that? So that kind of led into that first. First talk, and I really just wanted to kind of evoke that emotion of like, you know, seriousness and humor, and you know, we're all in this together, and like, we can make change in these very, very simple ways. Sometimes it's so overwhelming, homophobia, racism, all of these like isms. But it it is this just like, oh, you know, to change somebody's awareness changes the path of of what they do and and what they put up with, and how they speak, and how their words influence other people uh-huh. and that 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 actually happens yep. and it isn't the person you're talking to it's the kid three lockers down who hears you say it Yep. and that's important and and to be attached and you know, we live in this such a fast-paced world to to be attached to choosing the words that we actually mean mm-hmm. not these ones that are just convenient that are in our you know repertoire that we just say all the time and don't even think of the way they affect other folks
0: yeah it's true you know, what's funny is I went to college, but I had to look up the word pejorative. <laughs> because you used it a lot in that talk. That talk was incredible. And it was, it did all those things you said, hilarious, awkward, uncomfortable, funny, courageous, like everything at once. And you like hit a home run here. You've got, you know, half a million views on that. And that's great. And then you went on and you said, well, maybe I have something here, right? Mm-hmm. You start, the internet started uh as as you'd term it blowing up yeah I mean it was like it
1: certainly fanned the fire I was lucky I got um the folks at upworthy dot com Adam Mordecai uh, who's awesome picked it up and that's the point that it kind of took off and
0: mm-hmm. and went a
1: little bit crazy it's like getting that word out mm-hmm. there but the original you know I feel like so many people want to know like what's the secret to to views and I don't feel like I have the answer to that because I've never've never done it for that it was mm-hmm. like just to yeah. make those people and I knew I had like friend, my family, my friends were like streaming in cause they just like live stream. <laughs> oh, Ignite. Cool. So yeah. I was like a couple of buddies that were around. And then, you know, I had like my bastion of folks like in their row 20 across in the theater, but, but that was about it. And then, and then it took off from there, but it was never, it was just changing the community.
0: So in the talk, you say, what happens if somebody uses the word gay around you? And I think in your talk, you, you said maybe you chose not to say anything, you know, what do you do now? I mean, I feel like people, at least I'm I'm lucky enough now that it doesn't happen too often. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I feel like, and that is, you know, partially because of me and, and, and you know, you preach, I preach to the choir a lot, so that, that doesn't really happen, but I feel like it does. You, you, you have this conversation and also I feel like allies are more likely to stand up now. Like it's completely different for yeah. me to say hey, I'm gay, and that's really offensive to say. It's completely different for you as my straight ally to go up and be like, hey, you know, is that really what you meant? Did you mean to say that? You know, you're just like, I mean, now you kind of do the, I'm sorry, I think I heard you wrong. What did you say? And people will rarely repeat it Mm
0: -hmm. because they're caught
1: in that moment. Mm -hmm. But you kind of blame it on yourself of like, I I know that I didn't hear that right or, you know, kind of depending on your position of power relative to what's going on. And also – like, how important is that relationship to you? Is it just like somebody you don't care about, you know, in line at the grocery store? Okay, that's fine. Is it a family member? Is it somebody that you're going to have to work next to in the cube next to you for the next decade? I think there's nuances in involving that yeah. and, and becoming a resource. But I think that you do a, a you know, I, I'm sorry, what was that? And I've yeah. yet to have somebody do that, like do that to somebody and have them say exactly what they said. Well, what I meant was... Mm-hmm. And they
0: self-correct
1: because they know.
0: Right. They realize. Exactly. Um, you know, what's interesting too is that the kids are the ones who are often bringing that perspective and clarity because they're innocent. They don't know anything. And that's great. And that's how we should always be, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it's the people around them that are more uncomfortable. Like I'm even thinking back to when you worked at Walnut. And in, actually, if you hit a home run at that Ignite talk, then you like won the Ironman <laughs> at your TEDx I TEDx Boulder talk uh, the next year, maybe. Yeah. And you really you you nailed it on your talk about being in the closet and what a closet really is. Because we all can relate to wanting to change words and change the way people think. But when you really like drilled down to I want to tell my story about coming out, mm-hmm. and you got to that moment of like, whoa, it's about coming out of a closet. Well, that's great, but what the fuck is a closet? Oops, I never <laughs> say that word on here. Beep. Um, so I want you to share a little bit about that. Like, how did you get there? And that, you know, that process and the cat, how was that little girl involved in a catalyst? She'll never know. Yeah. The funny thing, you. I ran into her family. Oh my God. Okay. Five
1: years later at Finkel and Garth, we were oh, sitting outside God. and the, and this couple came up to me and said, Hey, aren't you, we have a quick question to ask you because we, th- <laughs> and I was like, and of course she was like, a little, Oh, you know the same question? No, no, no. <laughs> They're like, were you talking about our daughter? And I look over it and it was, you know, whatever, four or five years after it happened. So she was just a little four year old. Now she's like nine. And I was like, I know they're like, we're pretty sure that happened. And I was like, Oh my goodness. it all like came back together.
0: You got to tell it. I know you tell it a lot, but just tell that story.
1: Oh, I was working at the restaurant and, and, um, for those of you that don't live in Boulder, Southside Walnut Cafe <laughs> is an awesome spot. And, mm-hmm. and the reason it's so great, I think, is because it just valued um, authenticity and people being themselves at work. No matter, like, mm-hmm. I, whenever I tell a story, I'm like, it was just a bunch of weirdos having a good time serving eggs. Like, that's what it was. And I some of my dearest friends are from that time in my life, but you could just be yourself, whatever that looked like. If you wanted to wear a Mohawk or shave your head or not shave your armpits or wear a tutu, like whatever you want to do was like fair game. And there was a group, a couple of family that came in and, and a lot of times, and you know, I had a shave head at the time and baggy clothes. And, you know, it was kind of, um, I mean, I feel like we go through when we have this self-expression, we kind of figure stuff out. There's almost a vigilance about it yeah. of like, I don't want you to wonder anymore.
0: Like, I'm just me. I'm aggressively out.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Did you ask? Because I'm going to tell you, even if you didn't. You know, and so this was, there was this, like, that was just important in my self-expression. And so uh, when, um, when this, I would get the, you know, are you a boy or a girl? And it would be this very innocent question from, you know, little kids. Uh, But I would get so angry. And, you know, I'm like, you're in Boulder, Colorado. like look at this, look at this place. Look at what you're doing. Look at where you are. Like, do you only buy your girls trucks and your, I mean, your girls dolls and your boys trucks? Like, is there no gender fluidity at all? Like, what are you teaching your kids? Mm -hmm. you know, and that's just part of the conversation is that, openness with kids around that. So, so I knew I was going to say something because I've been so angry. I was just mad all the time. And I'm like <laughs> a pretty jovial person. I mean, so I'm was intense this building
0: like for years where you're just getting angrier and angrier,
1: yeah. you know, cause you would, I would get, you know, you, anybody who's done any sort of like gender bending self-expression or other folks, I'm sure where you get like, when you're the only in a room, you get like the double take. You just do. Yeah. And it would happen a lot and people would stare and they like try to figure you out and those like stares just grate on you for a while of like I don't always want to be an activist. Like I just mm-hmm. want to walk around with my shaved head and I don't want you to try to figure out, you know, if I, you know, you look at my breasts because that defines me as a woman but then you look at my hair so then you don't really understand it and I don't even know that you're there but I can, I can feel it and that feeling and then constantly having that battle was just it would it would build and build and build and build and build and, build. and so i w- you know you wouldn't say anything because i i was an employee and also i was working for tips so you had just like go <laughs> off on the table <laughs> yeah. so then eventually like, you like i had to say something so you know it happens are you a boy or a girl and there's this like you know, the dad, like, nervously looks at his newspaper like he didn't hear it. You know, like, <laughs> rustles it. He's uncomfortable. And the mom, like, shoots her like, what did you just say to the kid? <laughs> and so I'm about to, like, go off on this family because you, like, have these fake conversations in your head all the time. And I'm about to, like, lose it. And I look down and here's this four-year-old girl in a pink dress. And she wasn't like challenging me to some feminist duel she was just like are you a boy or a girl in the same way they like are you a table or are you a window like they don't know it's just like <laughs> you you're categorizing things yeah. in the way you need to know and i've never seen anybody that looks like you so please tell me so you can't i mean then i realized it's just this little kid so i kind of squat down next to her and say no it's kind of confusing my hair's short and i wear baggy clothes but i'm a girl and you know how sometimes you you know she, she has like a pink princess dress on. Sometimes you like to wear your fairy princess dress, but other times you like to wear your comfy jammies. Well, I'm more of a comfy jammies kind of girl. This kid does not miss a beat, looks me dead in the eye and says, my favorite pajamas are purple with fish. Can I have a pancake, please? Like, that was it. Like, oh, you're a girl. How about that pancake? It's like the easiest conversation. And then all of a sudden, it like literally, like if my head could have actually exploded, it changed everything because you were like, it's not always a fight. It doesn't have to be a fight. Like it was just, a, just a I kid know. with a question, but you get, you know, the I had had so many interactions. I mean, a fair amount and interactions that were negative or, you know, fearing my safety, walking around with my partner, like whatever that looked like, your hackles are constantly raised. You're ready for a fight.
0: Were your hackles then just down? Like, was it a moment and then everything shifted for you?
1: I mean, it pretty fundamentally shifted. I feel like then all of a sudden there was this like, and that, I mean, without even knowing it, that kid was so funny. And like, had I gone <laughs> off on that table, I might've felt better for all the times I had it made up for all the times that I kept my mouth shut. But like, how would that have made any change? It's Like reinforcing this stereotype that they, that the family maybe potentially had or whatever that looked like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and so for me, I was really interested in, kind of continuing that dialogue. And, and and it isn't, you know, we feel like around, you know, social or political causes that everything is so soundbiting now that if I don't have the perfect 15 second soundbite to change your mind or put you in your place True. about the way that you just offended me and get you to either instantly change or tuck tail and run, then I'm a failure. And that's such an insane way to create social change. Like what if it's your mother? What if it's your boss? Like we have to actually have dialogue. It isn't this right. like I'm either a coward that can't say anything or I like jump up on my soapbox and berate you until you're done. Like that's not where change comes from. No, change comes from conversation. And like you know, in the back of their head, oh well, we met that lesbian at the walnut, and you know, now so when you we saw see somebody them four
0: years later, four years
1: later, and they were just like hanging out, and they're like, we have you know, and I feel like now, especially in town, like <laughs> a lot of like, oh hey, you, have, you know, I liked your TED talk, which is just so people are so kind and you know, generous and and respectful and and love to have a dialogue about it. And and I feel so lucky that it resonated with so many people. And I was like waiting for the, you know, TED talk conversation. They're like, was that TED talk about our family? (laughs) What You're like,
0: what? You want royalties? They're like, when
1: she was this little and I was, and then all of a sudden, you know, there were like distinctive things about the couple that started to come back. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I'd never seen her again. And I don't know if they, I can't remember if they were, they came in, And maybe we're visiting and then they've since moved back or whatever the story was. But I like, you know, had never seen them again, but had this like fundamental, like when you're that real and authentic and honest, like this kid was like, it was so disarming to me. I had no response, but to do the same thing back to her. And I feel like that was that trigger. So, so I feel like now when you make connections with people, I mean, I, I try to, you know, you're like looking at the long game. And also there's some people like it's, it's not even, it's not worth your time. Like I'm not trying to create a society where every single person is an LGBTQ activist. I don't think that's, you know, be vulnerable. We can have those conversations where we can change behaviors because it's a trusted environment. It can be a continuing dialogue.
0: That's true. But you know, the, the change though, a lot of times people say, well, you can't make some, they're going to change when they're ready which I kind of agree with, like, you can't just take an alcoholic and throw them into rehab. And usually that doesn't work. They have to get to a point where they want to make the change. Absolutely. So is it, you know, you just have to keep being you? How does that happen? How do you get someone so they're ready to make the change?
1: Well, I think that it's, you know, uh, at least with my family, it, you know, we're super tight. And my parents uh, were high school sweethearts and they've been married going on 40 years now. Um, and are still there on like a road trip right now with each other around Durango and driving around. They're like cute as could be. I love them. And my little sister, and it was just the four of us and we were super tight and I knew coming out was going to rock that. So, so hard.
0: Cause they didn't, they had no idea, like through high school, you probably no. had
1: an I mean, idea. I feel like, Oh yeah. And I had dated, I had dated fantastic men. You know, I dated really great guys. They ended up being like, More friends, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: than anything. Yeah. In retrospect, but they were they were you know wonderful and kind and loving men. It just kind of like when I was first realized I was interested in a woman and kissed a woman for the first time, like fireworks. It was like everything that everybody Mm -hmm. talked about that like I had been trying to see in every movie that I had ever seen. Like all of a sudden, everything made sense. Love songs made sense. Like, everything made sense. It was so, that's what I was, that's what I I was missing, such an integral part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But my parents, you know, I think my mom probably had an inkling. Um, I told my sister first, uh, because we're super close, and she was, the first thing she said was, well, by the look on your face, I can tell you're either pregnant or gay. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) And she was like, I love you. And then she was like, because I had, like, had my heart broken, just like. Oh. I mean, like, just put through the meat grinder and just saw, had never experienced that oh. kind of heartbreak, you know, where you actually think you might die from it. Uh, and I and I feel like the first thing I want to do is call everybody I'd ever broken up with and been a jerk in a relationship and be like, I am so sorry. <laughs> this feels so bad. I'm so sorry if you ever felt like this. But you don't, you have, like, no perspective. So anyway, like, mm-hmm. uh, and I was, like, lying to everyone, my family, my friends, like, everyone about what I was doing to see this woman. And then... Uh, and she's like, this is not working.
0: I was like,
1: I mean, this isn't working. I've
0: been lying <laughs> for you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a long time
1: to people that I love. And so then I, but I was like, I didn't know. I was just, you know, it's just like this hollow, horrible feeling. So I, I went home and told my sister, I was like, Hey, we were both living at home at the time. Uh She was just home from college and I was home for a summer and we were just like hanging out doing our thing. And, and I was like, I got to talk to you. Uh, When mom and dad go to bed and we went downstairs, and that's when she was like, well, by looking on your face, I figured you were either gay or pregnant. And I was like, well, I'm gay. And she was great and has been supportive since day one, has been, like, the the best advocate and activist, and this has Mm -hmm. just been amazing. You know, my parents took a little bit longer. My dad uh, was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school, and he, like, didn't care that I was gay. He was just more concerned that, he's like, he had just always heard that gay was wrong. That was like, you know, he couldn't, like, get that my mom had been in the fashion industry forever. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was super comfortable with gay people. You know what I mean? Like that was, she was like in that world. Um, But her kid, completely different thing. And part of it was like safety. And part of it was, you know, what are people gonna think of parenting? Like, did they screw it up? You know, and also kind of those stereotypes. So you take our generation, then you go back another generation that is like Mm-mm. miserableness. Yeah. That is a sign up for a life of misery is what right. you're doing.
0: And she w- didn't want that. For and you. she
1: didn't want that for me. Mm-hmm. And, and it always expected me to have kids and have a family. It was this very like white picket fence deal that we were doing. And all of a sudden this like track is completely derailed. Um, so it took a little while and we like, you know, always kept talking and, and, you know, even though sometimes through like slam doors and I feel like the, when she finally got it was the first time she saw me with someone that I was dating that I was in love with. And no matter how awkward my mother was, like, you can't deny those genuine feelings. And to see your kid after that many years so happy, yeah, she's like, this is, I mean, this is going to be a challenge, but like, we're going to get through it. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. was this pretty kind of fundamental switch. And so I think that, again, was part of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, my mom turns into like an accidental activist because now <laughs> yeah. her kid is yeah. out. and You know, so we grew up in a small town. World travels around. And then these, you know, kids are starting to come out and their moms need someone to talk to. So they're talking to my mom. You it's know what I mean? It's amazing
0: how it, it all connects. You know, now you're married.
1: Right. You got married this year. I did. Amazing. Yes.
0: How's it going?
1: It's amazing. She's <laughs> amazing. She puts up with me, which I think is oh. is a challenge sometimes. But, oh, yeah, it's awesome. We're uh, kind of hitting our gear. We we got the wedding, and then I travel in the summer for softball. My family puts on the softball tournament, so I was gone, so I, I feel like it, it hasn't really slowed down since then. But it's, uh, it's amazing.
0: You know, I've seen kids around you, and – I don't, you gotta have kids. Are you guys trying to have kids? Are you having kids? You don't have to out yourself right here, but maybe you're talking about. I think, no, we're looking at. I mean, we're looking in the direction.
1: We're figuring oh it out. Oh my
0: god! I can't wait. I feel Honestly, like that
1: will be like the fodder for if my speaking career continues parenting will will be the way it goes next oh because it, is. it is just ridiculous
0: it, it and you will have some awesome stories <laughs> i have seen kids around you are like the pie piper they're just <laughs> climbing on you ash come i gotta show you this ash wait i pushed pause come watch this with me right it is I, we're all like we're nothing we're not even in the room it's awesome I hope you do it yeah but what's really funny is um I didn't want to have kids for 15 years of our marriage and uh we finally changed our minds and so you know we've got a four-year-old yeah and um it's funny I heard a quote the other day and I think it's true tons of people before you have kids will be like you should totally have a kid. It's the best thing you'll ever do. And you know, of course there's always like a kid with like tons of boogers. There's always a lot of boogers having a tantrum in the corner and parents about to kill themselves. And you're like, why would I want that? Right. But then you find, you know, you do, you have your kid and then those same people who told you it was the best thing you ever do. The first thing they say to you after the kid comes out, don't worry, it's going to get better. I promise. <laughs> it's like that evolution. Hilarious. You spend the whole like time, you know, I don't know how long it's going to go where you're like, this is exhausting, but awesome, but really hard, but great. You know, uh, it's just a whole new roller coaster.
1: I have a buddy of mine that recently was like, everybody <laughs> says she has a, a six year old and a three and a half year old, almost a four year old. And she's like, everybody says it goes so fast, but my God, I feel like they should be in college by now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some days are very slow. Um, Okay, really quick prop, actually. Yes. We're actually having a little snack time. You guys can't see this, but we are eating limited edition Bhakti Nusa. Uh, Oh, it's amazing. It is
1: delicious. It's
0: really good. It um, sadly, or happily, is full fat, Mm -hmm. which is why it's so good. (laughs) I was going to say, it seems, it's like, it
1: tastes like dessert. Well, that's why.
0: Yeah. If you want, um, a special treat, I highly recommend this one. Awesome. Um, okay. A couple, couple other things. So you are, a lot of people would probably name you as one of their greatest influences. I mean, I know you're changing people's lives. Do people email you or contact you and say, I was on the edge, man. And I heard you talk and now I'm I'm feeling it. Yeah. I, uh,
1: you know, a, a few of those of, you know, I had a re- recently got an email from somebody who had, who was really struggling, struggling to tell their family that, I mean, like two and a half years ago, haven't heard from this person since. Uh, and then got an email this week that was like, I just want you to know that my fiance and I just got engaged oh. and I would never, you know, your talk was Huge. really instrumental in me coming out. And I get a lot of like, your talk was, um how I kind of broached the subject with my parents because it's Mm -hmm. so approachable and like it helped me kind of decide that. So if, you know, I feel like so many people need a, um, it's just a nudge, you know, and that, again, that Mm -hmm. feeling of not being alone and that you come out the other side and that all of those things happen. One of the most fundamental ones is I don't, uh, I don't spend a lot of time on internet comments, you know, it's just like, it's Mm -hmm. it's a tough place to be. Um, You know, the, the anonymity, um, and you know, the vast majority have been great. And like so many of us, I feel like I'm a people pleaser, you know, and there'd be like 7,000 thumbs up and like 30 thumbs down. I'd be like, but you just don't know me. But
0: well, what about the 30? But you just
1: don't know. But you don't let me talk to you. Cause I think if you You're got converting. to know me, yeah, exactly. we could do this a little bit better. Uh, but friends of mine have kind of gone through those and you know, just get enraged for me. I think it's some of some of them but then
0: feel good.
1: Yeah, totally. (laughs) Then I don't have to be mad. And it's also funny in the very beginning and I was um, you know, super interactive on on Facebook and having these conversations which just became so overwhelming. But you just kind of leave it out there. Like somebody would say something and I'd be ready to respond and then be a respond faster. From somebody else would be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Backing even, you up. That it. And I was like, I don't even need to be here. No. I can like be the good guy. And Let be him my talk. Master. Totally. <laughs> totally. You guys have attic. Um, But there was a, a one that was uh post on YouTube that said, a friend of mine sent me this video last night. And if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't have been here this morning.
0: Oh my God.
1: Which is just like, that is just heart wrenching. I remember I was at a uh event in New Jersey when I when somebody sent me that and it just stopped me in my tracks of we all have the power to do that. You know what I mean? We all have the power to to have that influence and it doesn't matter if your message has, you know, one viewer that happens to be your daughter or eight million views. Like it doesn't really make a difference like that human connection is, is real and our struggles are real. And it's important for people that feel like they're at their most desperate mm-hmm. to see somebody who, who, who's on the other side of it that yeah. had that same you thing. And there's like a happy it. ending. Yeah. yeah. There was, I was at a, an event, um, this week and, or two weeks ago, I guess. And somebody else, somebody came up and was like, um, I just want you to know that, uh, one of my best friends really, lo- you know, loved you and, and really wanted to come, come see you, but it wasn't going to happen. So, she really wanted, she really wanted to come see you, uh, but she couldn't be here. And I was like, Oh, do you want me to, you know, you want me to like sign your thing or write her note or whatever? And she was like, no, she, uh, quit the job where they were working together, where they were you know, kind of making this big push for diversity. Uh, and she committed suicide. <gasps> I was like, okay, you know, just like that, that is still happening. Like, you know, I I think there's not
0: see, there's a way out.
1: Totally. And there's this perspective now of like, well, you have marriage equality. Like what else do you want? You know? And not that that's not, I mean, yeah, is you know, it was, it was great. Great advancement. You know, I think super important, but there's a difference between, I mean, we only need to ask our brothers and sisters of color if a Supreme court decision makes change. I know Brown versus board of education and did not eliminate racism right it is that like grassroots fundamental community changing of hearts and minds that needs to happen to actually change the environment that we're in and when that happens that's when we start to see this significant change that people don't have that kind of desperation and there's nothing i mean yeah light at the end of the tunnel with the supreme court decision but at the same time that doesn't mean the struggles are over doesn't mean that Kids are still not struggling doesn't mean that, you know, people are so not, they're, they're not preaching hate, that kids don't feel like yeah. they have a way out, that they can't tell their parents, that they, I mean, they're four times more likely to, LGBTQ kids, four times more likely to be homeless, four times more likely to engage in risky sexual behavior and risky behavior in general, drugs, underage drinking, things like that. Those numbers mm-hmm. are just real. And they're like real here.
0: Mm-hmm you know, let
1: alone other places in the country. So, so I feel like that kind of connection to to think that it's over, it just, it just isn't. Mm -mm. And so how do we, how do we do that, you know, grassroots change? And I think that's through creating allies and sharing our stories and being out when we can. I mean, that was kind of, I remember the first woman I dated was pretty closeted and Uh, then I came out here and dated someone who was the opposite of that. And then I remember going back home and being, and you know, this group of friends and just like grabbing them and being like, what are you doing? How are you not out? Like, this is a miserable existence, right? But also all in good time, you know, like sometimes they had to be ready. Yeah. And sometimes you Mm -hmm. getting up and looking yourself in the mirror that morning is as out as you're going to be. And that's it. And who you can beat this part, who the hell do I think I am? telling you how out you need to be. But that being said, because people exist there, those of us that can be out have a responsibility, not necessarily to speak for the masses. Like I am not Lorax that speaks for all the lesbians. That is like (laughs) not my thing, right? But I'm out there to share my story and my journey. I don't have all of the answers. I can just go out there and share my truth and my process and people relate to it as they can and as they can't. But I'm, you know, I, I feel confident in, 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 who I am and I feel comfortable. I live in a place that's safe. That's um, you know, I work for myself, which makes it easier. Um, I have a great social network of, uh, friends and family members and friends of mine that are like family, straight, gay, whatever. I have an unbelievably amazing wife. Like I have all of this love right. and support in my life that if I go out and it's like a little bit scary and I still go into like my awkward 14 year old self and I'm like, what are they going to like me? What are they going to do? <laughs> You know, but you like have to, I just feel like there's, there's a responsibility to be out in whatever way that you can, you know, and, and different challenges for different people. Like my wife goes into multiple, multiple meetings, probably once a week when someone asks her what her husband does. Right. So then she has to come out. Completely different changes. Right. People haven't asked me about a husband in 30 years. <laughs> you know what i mean like nobody's really asked me about that but i feel like for her and another friends, yeah. like that is like you are constantly coming out all the right. time because yeah. it looks differently and there and, and you can handle that in different ways and she's you know so gracious and and kind and and um has this great southern charm about her that that you know doesn't make people feel bad but also n- never backs off from that conversation mm-hmm. of like okay if we're moving forward and we're gonna have this authentic relationship. You're going to need to know right away. Actually my partner, you know, my, I I have a wife Mm -hmm. and this is what she does. Yep. So, so I feel like, you know, we all have our ways that we can do it. And sometimes it's, you know, leading the pride parade and, and sometimes it's just, you know, going to work and being you, there's just, there's different ways that we can do it. And, and I, you know, um, Jen had said, you know, you just Jennifer Brown, it's like, you just up level. Wherever you are, just try to get one better. You don't have to like mm-hmm. catapult yourself. Just, just try to make a little bit of change every day in the places where you feel safe and push your own boundaries and, and be more expansive in your inclusion yes. and your word choice and stuff like that. And, and it's, these aren't these leaps and bounds. It's just the next level up. And that's how we have, uh, you know, these more cohesive communities where everybody's honored. It's, it's not so your kid can come out to you. If they're gay, I mean, that's part of it, but it's also what happens when their little friend at school comes out or is having gender identity issues or their parents aren't respecting or whatever that kind of looks like, like you are then like, it or not a community resource and that has weight, but it has a tremendous empowerment.
0: Yep. That's true. Ash, we have already run like 8K. <laughs> I have to go pick up my kids soon. Oh yeah, no, that's okay. But I want... I have a bunch more questions. There's so many good um, messages coming out about acceptance and judgment and being who you are and ripping off the band aid, mm-hmm. you know, and just getting it out there. Mm-hmm. So in the end, I ask every person who does podcasts to give one piece of advice, one nugget that will help people run their worlds in a bigger and better way. What's your nugget?
1: Ooh, that's so much pressure. I wish mm-hmm. I could have pre-thought this one.
0: Too bad. Um... <laughs> this is ash under pressure um i
1: would say striving for perfection is a waste of energy like we're gonna be we are imperfect humans that is like the beauty of us i you know tell all of my stories and when i do my talks and Um, you know, if I got up and told everybody how great it was in this, like, you know, yellow brick road path that I took to coming out a, that's boring and B who relates to that. People don't relate to perfect people relate to real. So like part of that authenticity is being awkward of being uncomfortable. You know, if you, if you're not comfortable saying something, if you're not, even if it's I'm not comfortable coming out or my family members saying, "I, I don't, I'm not comfortable Saying Ash has a wife. Like, not that it's I mean, they're incredibly comfortable and loving, but like those words get jumbled in your mouth. If you haven't said what I mean, it was hard for me when I first had to say it. We'd be like, woo 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 woo. You know? But like the first time it's easy. Second time I mean the first time might be really tough. Second time it's easier. Third time it's easier. Fourth time it's easier. Like we just
0: mm-hmm.
1: we we get more comfortable, the more we do it. And to think that it's not going to be awkward and that we're never going to miss, like we just need to own when we do it and try to get better. And that to me, that is running your world because those expectations of perfection in yourself or in others, you're set up for a letdown. But if you, you know, uh, strive for authenticity and embrace that imperfection, we see all those little ways that we're human. And that is the most cohesive, connection that we can have as a community and it's going to reinvigorate ourselves.
0: ash awesome way to put it i will embrace the imperfection with you any day yes i love it and be awkward and crazy at the same time absolutely i hope
1: everybody ran a slow 5k
0: (laughs) thanks so much for coming on absolutely it was
1: so fun love you and all the work you're doing love
0: you too i just feel so lucky I have the most incredible people in my circle of friends, and I am so happy to count Ash Beckham as one of them. After listening to this interview, I'm sure you all feel like you're friends with her too, and she would say the same thing. Uh, So please, if you see her, go on up and say, hello, Ash. You know, she'll take you in. Um, uh, again, I encourage you to check out her videos, her Ignite Boulder talk, her TED talk, and her Evoso Live talk are all on nicoleboom.com in the show notes. You can just Google her in YouTube. You'll find a ton of cool content to uh, whittle away your free time. Also, if you are in the Boulder area on December 13th for our second Tuesday event, I believe it's December 13th, Um, Ash is going to be one of our featured speakers, which is completely awesome. Really excited about it. In fact, we're doing a little Facebook promotion to see what word we want her to focus on for that evening. Um, So make sure you check out Skirt Sports Facebook page for more info about the event and uh, come on over, see Ash live and in person and experience what it really feels like to be enlightened and to stop wasting your time. All right, folks, on that note, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout. We'll see you next time.